from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. Today, we've got a horror mystery by Kitty Julek called The Explorers. After their mother pointed detectives and investigative journalists digging into the abduction of Sean Richards towards his brother, X found himself yearning for revenge, a revenge that led to the creation of an app to lure his own victims to their doom. But Randonautica and Skirnoia beat him to it. In order to learn how it works and how to exploit them for his own purposes, X takes a team out to play with an app with a map to the middle of nowhere. What could possibly go wrong? Kitty Julik is a serial reviewer, photographer, and off-road adventurer who travels full-time with her husband, their three cats, and dog, Bink. She is the author of serial thrillers including The Explorers, White Moon Paranormal Mysteries, and The Devil and His Wolf, which will release in late January 2022. She winters in Texas at Julik the Emu, where she's a professional emu wrangler. Yes, that is a thing. And now... A Sample of the Explorers, Episode 1. About 10 years ago, I outlined a story in which a serial killer used an app to lure their victims to their doom. At the time, technology for such a feat did not yet exist. It was simply something fanciful that captured my imagination. Initial drafts at the time indicated that quite a bit of storytelling would need to happen in order to get to that point of the tale, one where death and mayhem would occur. In the long run, the content was something that, like the killers and White Moon Paranormal Mysteries, gave me nightmares in both writing and in research. Fast forward a decade later, time and technology have changed, and we exist in a period where apps like the one my killer crafted and promoted are no longer fantasy. They're here, and they're real. Randonautica, Scaranoia, and similar apps are ones that encourage people to get out and explore the world by giving them random destinations to find. With these apps come a wealth of content. Some excursions seem to be validly prepared for adventurers to stumble upon. Others stage like the young man who continues to find the same missing little boy and cause the police to return him to his parents. Sometimes ridiculous or even random abandoned buildings are pinned for people to explore, or the worse. In June of 2020, teens out exploring using Randonautica while escaping the boredom of quarantine found a body in a suitcase while live on TikTok. Did the person dumping the bodies have anything to do with the fact these teenagers were led to it? The answer to that question is definitely not. At the time of writing this forward, Several of the content creators I've been following have been on a wild adventure across the country, following clues that involve a bizarre love triangle. While I can't help but believe that these events are entirely staged, there is still the possibility that they were not. What we do know as viewers is that the content creators themselves have been shot at on more than one occasion and even chased out of locations that they're exploring. For the most part, the setup appears to be innocent, mostly dolls, stuffed animals, masks, things that are normally innocuous and uninspiring staged in a way that is meant to inspire a fearful or emotional reaction. 
Sometimes the stagings include people dressed in unexpected ways, wearing masks, or behaving strangely. While I can tell you that my own experiences have never been something to write home about, that doesn't mean that terrifying things don't actually happen as a result of using these apps. The point of all this is that we live in a crazy world where bad things like drug and human trafficking exist. With the number of people who go missing every day, the moral of the story is simply this. One, does not rando not, scare annoy, or adventure using similar apps alone. So before we talk to our author, let's talk about pro writing aid. And I don't know about you, JP, but I went to some weird hippie school and they never taught me any grammar. Um, Yeah. So, you know, it's really good for checking grammar rules, like things that I'm never really sure about, like, when do you start a sentence with and or but? Can you do that? Uh, who or whom? When am I using that? Every day, one word, two words. So, you know, I love it that it's kind of um, helping me with all those grammar rules that I'm not sure about. I overuse ellipsis or drama dots, as we sometimes called them. Uh, so, you know, helping me with those. I never know what the spacing is or where they're supposed to go because <laughs> I overuse them a lot. Uh, you know, then, then, all of that thing. When I break a grammar rule, it catches me. I totally appreciate that. 100%. Sometimes I lean on my author community uh, to give a little insight on grammar, but it is really nice to have an automated tool that I can go to first. It can highlight something. I can always click for more information, and I can kind of read up on, like, "Mm, I wasn't taught this in school. Uh, But I am being taught it now. And I am a huge proponent of constantly learning. And, you know, uh, I was a science nerd in school, not an English nerd. And, you know, is that a little bit of a regret now? Yes. But I have pro writing aid and that can help me. Yeah. Thank you, school, for teaching me whole language and no grammar. But at least I have pro writing aid. Let's go ahead and check it out. ProWritingAid.com. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) serial 20 and that wasn't passive aggressive at all nope serial 20 s-e-r-i-a-l 20 that's the 20 percent off you should do it at proratingit.com yep grammar's good grammar's excellent okay so uh an app to send explorers to random locations i'm curious what inspired you to write this serial based on apps that take uh you places based on your intentions so when I first started planning this project, it was 10 years ago. So it was your navigation was within like half a mile. So back when you still had map quests printed out and you were like turn by turn directions. And when things changed and all of a sudden everything was down to like the next couple of feet, I started chewing on it again. And then I stumbled on the video of kids playing Randonautica where it was all intention based and they wanted to be scared. They were live on TikTok. They found a body. And I totally was like, this could be something amazing. It'll take a bit to get there, but I have this old project. So I went digging and I found it, which was amazing because it's been a decade. I, I, I hoard all of my data. Um, and then it just kind of kicked in. I'm like, what else can we find out there? Who can we set up? And it got to a point where 
I was like, so this guy is definitely going to end up being a budding serial killer and his intentions may not be the player's intentions, but if they were, there wouldn't be a plot. Yeah. So definitely those kids got more scared than they bargained for. Have you had any strange randonautica or scaranoia experiences? Nothing to write home about. You know, I, I kept thinking, I'm going to get something fun. No creepy dolls, no masks in the trees, no lost cell phones, no lost computers, no threats, nothing, just walking in the woods. <laughs> so I kind of wanted something crazy to happen, but it just wasn't in the cards for me, I guess. It was actually interesting hearing about and looking up these two apps and then also what happened when when Pokemon Go became really popular and how people were finding all sorts of things out in the wild. Um, I, yeah, I'm just curious uh, your take on on that kind of um, apps taking you places and and why that really draws you in. I think it's a great way to get out and explore. There are places that I would love these apps to work, but in a controlled setting, like Yellowstone, there's so many off trail places that people normally wouldn't think about going that we've been to because that's what we do. We travel, we go see what we can find. But these these apps, as long as they're vetted, they can take you to some amazing places. Unfortunately, there are situations where they're not vetted, where people run into things like bears, hunters, private property owners who want to pull a shotgun on you, people chasing you out of out of buildings that have been abandoned that they're, you know, security guards for. So I, I'm crazy. I kind of want one of those experiences, but at the same time, I don't. Um, but I think they're fantastic, especially in the world that we live in now. It gives you a chance to be in your own self-isolated bubble, get out and explore, and maybe go someplace you never would have thought of going before. Yeah, 100%. I love that. So what in general do you love about writing horror? So I, my big thing with horror is I don't always see things that are supposed to be horror as horror. Um, I will tell you that I think Nightmare on Elm Street is the funniest crap in the world. It's campy, but I laughed so hard and I saw it as a child. My father was terrified that I was going to have nightmares, Freddy Krueger and the knives. And I was laughing. I just, I laughed. So for me to actually find something that's going to get me scared or get me into that headspace of what's actually going to happen next, my heart's going to start pounding. It's got to be something with a great big buildup for me. That doesn't work for everybody, but I want to find something that's actually going to scare me. And it doesn't happen often. Like the best thing that's going to get me is a jump scare in a, in a B movie. Like, unfortunately, with a lot of other things that are out there, it's predictable. I don't want to be predictable and I want, I want the scare and the thrill to be unpredictable. So with that, what are your favorite horror stories, be it TV, film, or book that really gets you? Oh my gosh, that is so hard. Um, I have friends that keep telling me, you should read things like Pet Cemetery." I'm like, no, I just, I can't get into it. I do love a lot of the Baldacci work. So his, his horror is more of a thrill and there's been a lot of actually unexpected twists where I'm not expecting the plot. I don't want to give any of them away. You don't <laughs> expect the twists to happen as they, as they pop up. Um, and it's hard because I, I'm very analytical mind and my problem is I'll pick things apart and I'll be like, Oh, I saw that happening. So the second something is a twist. I, I, I and this is funny. The third Jurassic park movie, which was the bad B movie where it was, wasn't even animatronic. There was no, no Steven Spielberg involved. 
that was actually the best one for me because it was unexpected jump scares. So I actually got my heart racing. Uh, Unfortunately, the only reason the first Jurassic Park movie got me was I was asleep in the theater and I woke up at the objects in the mirror maybe closer than they appear dinosaur roar. Now, if you were actually watching up until that point, it's expected. But if you open your eyes and that's what you see, you're going to scream. And I screamed. <laughs> so that gave me my jump scare. But I'm, it's hard to get me going. There was an episode of Warehouse 13 where they find an Esculpus rod. So they've got the snake wrapped up on it. And it got me the first time I saw it. And I forgot that that snake was going to move and hiss and snap at her. And that snake moved and hissed and snapped at her. I'm terrified of snakes. I jumped and almost fell off the couch and everybody laughed because they thought I would have remembered because it was something that got me before. But jump scares are actually the best for me. So what is the scariest horror situation to you? Is it a jump scare or is it snakes or is it something else? If you were in your book, what would be the scariest thing that could happen? A pit of snakes. I would, I would be, I, so uh, you, it's hard to miss that X thinks about pushing people off cliffs. My, I think that he would push me into a pit with snakes and they wouldn't necessarily be venomous. They would just be snakes because I would be terrified. And I, I, I wouldn't, I just, I can't do snakes. I, I, I've had, I've had, I've had an experience. So I don't like snakes. <laughs> Care to elaborate or no? Um, so <laughs> once upon a time, I was a resident and married to Marine, and I was at Camp Pendleton. And we had a summer where the diamondback rattlesnake population was elevated. A couple weeks before my situation, a friend of mine had just put her son down on the floor, infant, picks up a towel that her husband had discarded on his way out the door in the morning. And there was one on her living room floor. And she picked her kid up and she ran through the screen door. I had a situation a couple weeks later where I came home and I'm coming up the stairs and I hear tick, 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 tick. I don't know how that sucker got in my apartment, but when they found it, it was in my bed. So I, mm, snakes and I do not get along. Oh God, no. Well, I'm very, very <laughs> glad to hear that both of those stories ended with the people escaping. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know. if they were in my book, they would not escape. No, and the, I, I'm not afraid of snakes, but a rattlesnake in my bed would just about, that would do it. <laughs> that, that, it totally did so. it for me. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> do not blame you. Uh, so I'm curious though, with this Vela, do you have everything planned out or it will any sort of audience participation play a role as the story goes or how is that going for you? I have some audience participation. Um, I did a book club and they chose who my first major cast member to die was going to be. And that was an obvious pick. I was like, come on, pick somebody else because this is what everybody wants, but that's okay. I have a lot of unexpected things that'll lead up to it. I have major plot points written down. Like we're going to find out who actually killed Sean and all of the kids. And we're going to find it eventually get to this point where it's evident as to what's going on. And I'm excited for that. But the one thing I did is I gave myself five or six major plot points I knew I wanted to cover, but also with the questionability of, is this Vela process on Kindle going to be viable? I wrote my ending first and I have an escape route. So say this thing didn't go the way we wanted it to, and it went badly. I had a parachute to get me out and I'd be like, 10 episodes done. End of story. (laughs) Um, 
And I didn't expect explorers to go, well, I have a paranormal mystery that's got some thrill and some gore to it in the future of it. And it's got some romance tones and that tends to do better. And the fact that people bit on explorers, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. But I actually have people that are like, so who's going to die? Which sister's going to be first? Are you going to kill either of the brothers? Like, and, I'm, and I'm surprised over it. But as I'm getting going, I'm picking up a faster release schedule starting in January, which is exciting. And my editor is super happy because he's like, let the bodies hit the floor. And I'm finally like, floor, everybody's going to die now. Um, but I know where I'm going, where I'm going to get, how to get there. And there actually is planned for audience participation. I've got a couple surveys ready to go. It's not going to be as intense as what's going on with marriage auction. I don't know anybody that can actually keep up with that. In the, I put a survey up two days ago, three days later, here's an episode about that survey. And I'm like, did she like write a, a, a plot twist for each one of these thoughts before she pinned her readers? Because I couldn't do that. I couldn't keep up with that kind of pace. But there's going to be like, I tend to write two to three weeks in advance. So there's going to be items further down the line that if I haven't written it yet, I've got some things for people to help me kind of choose my own adventure way through it. Yeah. So you have traps, abductions, and trafficking all in this first episode. I don't know how people cannot bite. Uh, <laughs> what's one thing about the story that you want listeners to be excited or be scared about? I think in the long run, I'm excited about people finding out why Xander is so crazy and why his brother is so protective. We, we get hints of it. Mom is not a nice mom. Um, one of my first reviews that stayed up, yay Amazon, keeping one of these reviews up for me, um, is, is, oh my God, that mother, that is not how mothers are supposed to act. And it kind of gives you this idea of maybe there's a reason this kid was crazy. And he has this manic energy that he goes from miserable, is he going to unalive himself to I'm excited, life is excited, I got clowns, I got bears, and he's just this ball of energy. You kind of run a wrap in a, in a bubble wrap to keep safe. And he's, he's my favorite character to go forward. And I'm excited for people to see exactly what happened, why he's as crazy as he is, and actually start seeing some of their mysteries get solved. And that's going to happen. Just going to take some time. So what kind of research went into crafting this world? I basically started running around when we're out exploring. So since we move, move around a lot and we're full-time RVers, we spend a lot of time just on nature trails. We do a lot of off-roading. So I keep thinking about every time we go somewhere, okay, this would be a great place to put a body. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm like, I would hang somebody in that tree or I would push somebody off of this cliff. Or I would have a forest ranger come along as this, this situation is being discovered. So every time we're out and exploring, I keep thinking of how would I set my book here? Because that helps make it a little bit more realistic. Not all of those details of the trees and the different greens and how it smells always make it in. Um, I don't want it to be so much detail that people get lost before something happens. But I get inspiration as to where things are going to be. I really wish that I had, I lived in the environment I wanted it to take place full time because then I could be like, it's this town, it's this city, it's this state park, it's this forest. But I like that it's not because people can kind of put it 
local to them because there's also things like McDonald's involved. So they can kind of picture it happening in their own community. Excellent. So as we're recording, you are inside an RV. Yep. How does travel and being a digital nomad play a role into your storytelling and author life? So the hardest part is when we end up someplace where I can't connect to the internet. We spent two weeks at Big Bend. We spent 10 days at Big Bend. And when we were there, there's no signal. You have to go to the camp store or you have to drive like an hour into into town. And by town, I mean, it's a welcome visitor center that's 40 miles into the park. And you get to these points where I want to like ping something off my editor. And I'm like, crap. Because even when you find a signal, there's no way you're going to get data back and forth. You're lucky you get a text to go through. Um, And that can be tough. Luckily, we're we're signed up for Starlink. So eventually, yay, (laughs) that'll make life easier. Um, But I love the fact that I get to go places and I can write in different settings. So I've, I've written at Big Bend. I've written at Glacier. I've written at Yellowstone. I've been through Grand Tetons, but I haven't written in Grand Tetons yet. So I'm thinking the next time we go north, I'm going to disappear with the Jeep and go find a spot to park and write right inside of Grand Tetons National Park. Um, I like that I get a chance to be different places. I, there, there's really, the only thing I miss sometimes is that internet connection. Because I can try to call my editor if I'm like, hey, here's this idea I want to pitch off of you. Is this a misstep? Should I go forward? But if I can't do it, I get in trouble. I, I wrote myself into a hole while we were at Glacier. And my and my editor was like, this is bad. Don't do this. This will ruin the story. You're, you're skipping too much. You have to fill in some gaps here. And I was like, oh, man, but I don't want to. I'm, I'm already past this point. He's like, no, go back. Forget the six epi- other six episodes that you have planned out and the five that you've sent to me already. Just, it's crap. I'm like, come on, Dave. And he's like, no, it's crap. So that's tough. But at the same point, probably a, a still a wonderful trade-off to be able to to view the sites that you see and to write where you want to yes. write. So I'm curious, is there anything you haven't explored yet that you plan to or want to? I want, so I want to go to some of the national monuments. I want to go to Montezuma, see the, the cliff castle that's built in the cliff. And I want to go to Chaco Canyon. Um, just different places where we've had major civilizations on this continent that just don't exist anymore. I want to, I want to kind of walk those walks and see what they feel like. I, I think that they'd be really creepy to write in. Um, unfortunately, you can't always be there at night when it's creepy, but I, they're just places that I want to explore. I know that we wanted, I want to go back to the Northeast. I want to go to, I want to go to like I want to go to like Bangor, Maine and Portland, Maine and be super, super, super far north on the East Coast. Um, We have plans for Oregon next summer, which are exciting because I haven't seen the ocean on the West Coast in five years. Or I haven't seen the East Coast ocean forever either. But I'm just like, we've been so centralized in the country. I want to get some beach. Sounds like a good plan. (laughs) I think we could all use a little beach right now. Right in the snow, um, where we've got a cold snap coming, and my 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 mother in law is like, at least it's not going to snow yet. Mm. I'm like, please don't talk about snow in Texas. That that was not a fun time. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, as a final question, what do you like most about writing serial fiction? 
I like that if you back yourself into a corner, you just need another plot twist to get out of it. So it's not like a novel where if you get yourself into a situation for your characters and you're just not feeling it and your reader's like, I don't know, man, I don't buy it. You can, you can get yourself out of that. You can rewrite that upcoming episode to get your characters out of that and re-engage your readers if you've taken a misstep. Unfortunately, when it comes to traditional publishing in a novel, if you've written yourself into a hole, but your, your, develop, your developmental editor loves it, your line editor's like, this is fantastic, and your beta readers aren't, are afraid to tell you, this really sucked, don't do this, you, you, you're, you're stuck, and that, imp- that first impression or that second or third impression of that book on a page, you, you, you'll, you can lose your audience, you can lose your fans that way. With serial fiction, you can be like, okay, psych, something else is going to happen to draw them out of it. Or you can turn that situation around and, and retro tell your way through it in a different way. So it's really sky's the limit. I mean, you may end up taking another 20 or 30 episodes to get where you want to ultimately get. But you also have a chance to re-engage an audience before you lose it completely. You don't get that with a novel. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. Our thanks today to Kitty Julik for letting us share their episode. If you liked it, you can read the first three episodes free on Kindle Vella. The link is in the show notes. We want to thank you for listening to the Reader Serial Fiction Show. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, send them your favorite episode link. And if you want to leave an Apple podcast review, we read all of them and take your suggestions. You can also leave a comment on this episode on our website, SerialFictionShow.com. Finally, we now have a Patreon where you can get Serial Fiction Show episodes early and other great stuff. We have tons of things in the works. Check it out at Patreon.com slash Serial Fiction Show. Thanks. And we'll see you next time with another serial fiction episode. And And that's that's a a wrap. So was that um, intentionally a drowning pool reference there that you <laughs> said something about letting the bowden bodies hit the floor? Oh, so uh, when I started, <laughs> my, my editor has been with me through <laughs> first three books of Whiteman Paranormal Mysteries, and there Hi, are Dave. a lot of <laughs> bodies. <laughs> so when I made it through the first 30 episodes or so of Explorers, he was like, bodies? And every day I said, every time I sent him a batch of episodes, he'd be like, let the bodies hit the floor. And he'd be so excited. And I'd be like, nope, no floor. No floor. No floor. <laughs> Just bodies. <laughs> and then I finally got for, to the new year and the bodies start to drop. And he, when I sent him this batch of episodes before he got through it to where the first, the first murder actually occurs, he's like, let the bodies hit the floor. And he's, he's, and he's, he's on screen. And I'm like, I, 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 I went into Canva and I'm like, giant text block letters, floor. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, somebody's going to die. Hold on, I'm in a meeting. 
So he finishes his meeting and he's like, do you think anybody's going to notice while I'm in a meeting if I work on this? And I'm like, yes, work on work. (laughs) (laughs) Do the book stuff later. But yeah, the the drowning pool references definitely has been deliberate because every time for so many weeks. So I started with Explorers back in June and he's been like, nobody's dead yet. What are you doing? (laughs) Because he's been through so much with me already. And he's like, you killed so many people at the very beginning of exile. Why has nobody died yet? And I'm like, well, technically somebody died before the book started. And we talk about that. He's like, that doesn't count. <laughs> I need More. it on the page. It's a higher body count. Right? He's like, higher body count, more gore, more screaming. And I'm like, I think they're screaming enough already, but we'll, we'll get there. Oh my goodness. I love it. Excellent. You know how that now is the theme song for your fella in my head. 